Good morning, everyone. My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. That was really weak. <laughs> Hi, Michael. That's better. Michael. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, uh, as you can imagine, I'm a food addict, and that's why I'm sitting up here today. Uh, and um, I'm going to go over the doctor's opinion. And uh, as I'm reading through some of this, I'm going to intertwine my own, uh, a little bit of, of my own take on it, my own story. If that's okay with you, um, that's great. And if it's not okay with you, too bad. Uh, so I, I want to begin with, uh, if I could, uh, with XXII. And if you don't have the fourth edition big print, Someday you will have the big print. Uh, and if you don't have the fourth edition, it's time to get, you know, kind of get with the program, okay? Because I never did too well with Roman numerals, and I'm still no better. Uh, so, I, you know, there's, there's a hole in the beginning. It talks, Dr. Silkworth, you know, writes this letter, and it says on, this is on XXI. Uh, and I heard somebody in here share this, and I loved it. It doesn't say to whom it may concern. It says, dear Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, thank you for that person who shared that. I love that. All right. Anyway, getting to XXII. Uh, after he talks about um, Dr. Silkworth, you know, Dr. Silkworth's letter, uh, he writes, uh, in this statement, he, Dr. Silkworth, confirms that we who have uh, suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. Now, I never read that before um, in the 19 years that I've been in these rooms. Uh, And when I read that, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind, I thought, well, that's a real warm and fuzzy paragraph. You know, abnormal, um, that's not the way I like to look at myself. Um, But when it comes to food, I'm very abnormal. Uh, I, um, I know no limits when it comes to food, uh, when it comes to my addiction. You know, I, I, I think that some of the things that people are doing today um, are, I don't know, a little risky, a uh, little, you know, crazy and all. And, and I think to myself, well, wait. You know, having the urine of a pregnant woman injected in you would not um, say that you were sane and normal, you know? Uh, So, you know, even though I've been in these rooms, as I said, for 19 years, I never heard these messages. I never heard an allergy of the body. I never heard an obsession of the mind. And I don't even have to go to pages one, two, or three to find that. It's right there in the beginning in the the blessed Roman numerals, right? Um, So I also had this feeling like I was elite. You know, I didn't have a problem with alcohol um, or drugs. Um, well, I had a problem with prescriptions, but that doesn't really fall into the category of drugs. Um, all I needed was the right diet, and I was always looking for the right diet at the checkout counter of the supermarket, you know, um, on the magazines. Uh, so I want to set the record straight uh, and um, so you understand that I am a food addict. You know, I, I'm not a, I, there's nothing, I mean, if you're a compulsive overeater or whatever that term is, that's, that's awesome and all. I'm not a compulsive overeater. You know, I am of that garden variety that once I get started, I can't stop, ever. Uh, and 
I have done more independent research in the time that I have been in these rooms than any major pharmaceutical company. Uh, and the results were, they were always the same. <clears throat> Once I began, I could never stop. I could never stay stopped. Uh, and it's interesting, there's so much that I've learned in these rooms. One of the, the things that I learned was about my three food groups, uh, sugar, flour, and volume. Um, those are my food groups. And so when I went to a meeting and they said, in this meeting we suggest you abstain from sugar, flour, and volume, I was, well, what's left? Uh, and why am I here? Uh, and, but I did that, and I was writing one, I would say, I know I've heard a pink cloud. I think the pink was probably all the uh, sweet and low packets I was using in my food. That's what, that's what the pink was. Uh, but, you know, I gave that up, and that's all I did. Um, I stopped eating those foods, because those foods I do have an allergic reaction to. You know, uh, once I begin, I have that phenomenon of craving. Uh, but here was the problem. Um, well, I gave up the foods and I didn't really, and I, and I lost weight, you know, and I looked great and I felt great and I, you know, here I am world, but nothing really changed. So like nothing really changes if nothing really changes. And nothing really changed for me because I hadn't enriched my spiritual life. Now, I didn't even understand what the word spiritual meant. <clears throat> to me, that meant like, incense and Ouija boards and things of that nature. I had no idea what that meant. Surely I believed in God because, God forbid, I didn't believe in God. Uh, you know, the God of my understanding was someone who was sitting on a mountain and looking down at me and, you know, criticizing everything I was doing. And, um, you know, so anyway, again, for the first, I would say the first 13 of my 19 years in these rooms, it was nothing more than um, a diet plan, a food plan, uh, with incredible hugs, um, wonderful people. It was the first time in my entire life that I had ever been um, accepted for who I am. I just want you to know we're at six minutes and I'm half finished. Uh, <laughs> so I have you, hope you have a lot of questions. Uh, so, uh, you know, well, I lost the weight, and I, you know, I could, suddenly I could go to, a, it was all about the physical. It was nothing, I didn't do anything to enrich my emotional or my spiritual, you know. So, you know, um, and I love to shop. That would be my other addiction um, that I'll talk about in this room when I'll go into the other ones. Uh, I don't know you well enough. But anyway, uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I would buy all these clothes. And they would sit in the closet because I didn't really do anything. You know, I tried them on, they still fit. You know, I've had them for a week, you know, because <laughs> I never had clothes for much longer than a week and they've stopped fitting and all. So it was all about, all about that, you know? Uh, and, you know, I was really feeling joyous, happy, and free. Um, but then I, I was not, you know? And then I remember getting hurt. It was like a New Year's Eve. Uh, I remember it so well. I got really hurt by something that, that happened or didn't happen. Uh, and uh, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, 
and this was the first time in five years that I really had a food thought. I'm thinking, if CVS is open, if I had, and it really wasn't anything so great, because once you're in these rooms, it, it really is like the mafia. You know what I mean? You can never, you can never leave. Do you know what I mean? You really cannot leave. You will never enjoy your food the way that you used to enjoy your food. I'm, I'm serious. I cannot. When I'm, when I was in relapse, I used to love to go to the Dollar Tree. I could fill up a cart for like eight dollars and have enough for twenty-five minutes. Uh, who am I falling? Uh, and, but now, like, I can't do that because I'm afraid I'm going to see one of you, you know? And I can't say the, the candy's for my cats, you know what I mean? So uh, it's taken all that joy away. Uh, so I remember going into that. I remember that going into that CVS. I remember what I bought. I remember eating it. And that was, like, the first time that I had turned to food uh, for, like, some relief. And, and I felt relief. It wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sugar, it wasn't flour, it wasn't volume, but it wasn't something that I should be eating, you know? And I was eating it compulsively, right out of the bag, okay? All right. Um, so, you know, I kept hearing about the steps, but, like, I'm not into exercise, so I had no idea what they were talking about. I prefer, if they would have said the elevator, I probably would have said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good for that, you know? Uh, and um, the only thing that I knew about the big book were the stories. You know, I came on Sunday mornings, and we were in the boardroom on the fifth floor. Remember? Yeah, I remember that. And, uh, yeah, and we read the stories, and, you know, and I liked hearing about these people and what they did, and, you know, being so judgmental, like, oh, God, I would never do that, you know. Uh, and that's as far as I went. So... Then about, we're going to fast forward, not too much or else I won't, okay, well, good. I hope you have a lot to say. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, and I ran, you know, I did a lot of things, like I, like I kept hearing all these slogans, services slenderizing, and you know, you should do this and you should do that. So I did all these like service positions and all, I went to inner group, you know, I went to meetings, I made phone calls, I sponsored, we'll talk about sponsorship in a little bit. I did everything, you know, that I was supposed to, and I, you know, I had moments of um, of sobriety, I guess I could say, you know? Uh, and so I bumped into somebody, believe it or not, coming out of Wegmans. What a shock, right? Uh, would have been a bigger shock if it had been Models. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and they said to me, uh, you know, Michael, there is a, uh, a big book meeting on Sunday mornings, and it's really, really good. Uh, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of recovery from it. Uh, so, you know, I was like, I said, okay, you know, because I was in a rush because my ice cream was melting. Uh, <laughs> and I went home, you know, I ate my ice cream. And the worst part about the weekend was Monday. Because whatever fit on Friday usually didn't fit on Monday. You know, one of the things I didn't share was, like, I've done all kinds of things to lose weight. I know people like to hear the horror stories and all that kind of stuff. I told you about the urine. That's the truth. Um, I mean, I did the, 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 the commercial diet club, and, I, you know, like, I was a lecturer for them until I discovered that, you know, like, on maintenance, they'd say you could have an eighth of a slice of whatever it was. 
what are you supposed to do with the other seven A's? <laughs> so I ate them, um, you know, as only a food addict would. And then I, um, it was interesting. And then I was kind of like, well, I'm starting to put weight on. And I remember I was with a group of um, lecturers who were in trouble, um, you know, and you could tell us because we were wearing like camouflage, like long, not camouflage, like army camouflage, you know, like, we all know, dark colors, longer, you know, nothing tucked in. Well, I can't really anything tucked in because my waist starts up like my throat. Uh, so people say, why is your, why is your, why do you have your pants pulled up so high? Because that's where my waist is. Uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, and it was working. And then I discovered um, something that worked even better. I could eat that whole whatever it was. And then all I had to do was get rid of it. So I go upstairs in the bathroom and I do my thing and the weight came off and I just thought I had discovered the cure uh, until I didn't want to release it anymore. Thank God, you know, I didn't, I thank God for that. So, you know, I tried all different things. Anyway, getting back to uh, coming into these rooms. So this was about six years ago. I came into these rooms. I came into the Sunday morning meeting. I heard a message I'd never heard before. Um, I got a sponsor, which was which was interesting, you know, and, and, you know, when I select a sponsor, I always go for a sponsor who's warm and fuzzy, you know, who will take my shit, okay? Uh, my excuses, all right? Uh, so, you know, I um, did everything. I became um, abstinent. Uh, I still didn't sponsor. I didn't want to do anything, you know, I just wanted to look in the mirror. Um, not really, but I mean, you know, and I was feeling good. And then, guess what happened? You'll never believe this. I bumped into food, okay? And I had it, and, uh, and I got just as large as I was before, because, you know, we always, I, people say, well, you know, um, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Again, an amateur. I'm usually heavier than when I began, okay? Um, so back in October, something happened, okay? I hadn't been in the rooms for a while. But again, you know, you never leave this stuff. Uh, I was back in the room. I was at a function. Now, if you would have told me, Michael, you're going to begin your food plan, your program in October, October. You know, that's the high fat season, right? <laughs> There's Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. You're going to begin your program in October. I would have said, no, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm at this function, and someone comes up to me and says, how you been doing? And I'm like, you can pretty much see how I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, we, it's not like some addictions. Some addictions you can't tell as the person active or not active. With this addiction, you can pretty much tell unless you know you. If you need the big book version, you know the the big print version. You you can you can, even you then you can tell, right? So, they asked. They said, you know, if you come to the Sunday morning meeting, I'll sponsor you. And I was like, okay, sure. And I was like this is not the person I want to be my sponsor. She is not going to take my bullshit. Um, I, I don't know. But I came to the meeting, and you know what? 
I think I was scared a little bit, not by the person. The, the, the sponsor turns out to be, you know, I don't even have to say anything. Uh, <laughs> it was perhaps, and I mean, let me just say this. I have been very blessed since I've been back in program. I've had a lot of great sponsors, so I want to make sure I say that as well. And, you know, um, I've just been very fortunate. But I went through the big book, and it was a different way, you know, uh, than I'd ever been introduced to the big book. You know, I had to, like, read. I had to select some, some, some passages that meant something to me. And then I had to call people. You know what it's like to call people? I mean, this doesn't weigh that much, right? But, it, boy, when I had to call somebody and find out about what, what, what meant something to them, you know, and hearing other people share what was important to them really helped me go from information to transformation. And, that, and that's really where it was for me. Uh, so, you know, I had the opportunity... Um, to transform my life from me-centered to one where it's, I can rely on my higher power for guidance. Uh, I just want to turn to another passage. Uh, so this is on uh, XXIV. Again, that's, that's, I don't know if it's IV. That sounds like intervenous, right? Is that intervenous? Um, okay. Uh, XXIV, and it says... Uh, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Yeah, I never met a pizza that I didn't like, okay? You know, some people say, how do you like it? I like more, okay? Uh, the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, and I like that word, injurious. I feel like I could say that, you know, and sound very intellectual. Um, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks or bites, uh, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they, have succumbed, after they have succumbed to the desire, again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful, with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is, let's do this, okay, this is, this is an important part, all right? This is repeated over and over and over and over, unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his or her recovery. Well, boy, doesn't that say it all, right? Uh, and, 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 and I had to read that over and over again, to understand that, that if I keep doing the same thing, I'm going to keep getting the same results, you know? I can't think that I'm in the rooms for six months, nine months, ten years, a hundred years, and that I can now pick up things that have, you know, my, my, my substances. And one of the things that I was told to do, which is a little tricky, so I just want to share this with you, okay? Just in case somebody does this to you, they're going to say to you, now I want you to write down your red light foods, and your yellow light foods, and your green light foods, okay? There weren't too many things that were green for me, other than, you know, like, vegetables. Then they're going to tell you that these yellow light foods are really your red light foods. 
So it's red and green, that's it. It's a big Christmas tree, that's it, okay? Uh, there is no in-between. And I was like, wow, but it's the truth, right? Um, so I was negotiating. You know, I kept thinking, well, you know what? I haven't had X, Y, Z in, in so long. I could probably have one. One dozen, one pound, one ton. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm not normal like that, okay? Um... Uh, all right, and then there's one more that I did want to go, and it's XXVI. XXVI. All these, it's kind of down the bottom, it's the second to the last paragraph if you're in um, the fourth edition big print, and if you're not, then I'm not sure where you are. But I'll read it, and I'll read it slow and loud. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. The phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. My whole life, I wanted to be like my sister. So I'm going to mention a few. So I grew up in a, in a time when there were three Tasty Cake cupcakes. I think there's only two now. Um, what is they were the good thing. old days. They were the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> and she would eat one. And the other two would be in the refrigerator. Until I did what a normal person should do and ate them. Uh, and I used, to, I used to think, was she adopted? Because how could we be related? Why didn't I get those genes? You know what I mean? Why didn't I get these other genes? You know? And... Um, and I, I mean, I thought about that for, for most of my life, how unfair that was. She also liked to run. I don't run for a train, you know what I mean? So I'm not quite sure what that was all about. But um, it's craziness, right? Um, and and it, I keep, if I keep thinking that one day I'm going to wake up, because I used to every January 1st, after consuming massive quantities for um, several months, I used to say, okay, God, I will do anything you want me to do. If tomorrow I could wake up, this is how sick I was, and the 50 or 60 or 100 pounds will be like next to me and I can flush it down the toilet and then call a plumber, uh, <laughs> at, I will be very happy. Okay, so could, I, could, could that happen, please? And of course it never did. And then people would say, well, like you have to, you know, you have to have a strong belief in a higher power. Well, he never did, or she never did what I asked for. It wasn't about that, Michael. It wasn't about that, okay? So, I don't know if I wanna, I wanted to talk about what's different this time, but I thought maybe I'll do that at the end. Uh, no, go ahead. You want me to go ahead? Okay, yeah. because then it's all you, okay? You understand all right? All right, yeah, all right. <laughs> so, you may be saying to yourself, so Michael, what's different this time? You're supposed to say that. What's different this time, Michael? Okay, good. All right, good. So here's a couple of things that I wrote down uh, that are different this time. First of all, prayer and meditation are an important part of my, um, my daily um, routine. 
I'm not going to say it's nothing formal. It's not like I have a prayer book and, and you know, like in, in a whole set thing. Sometimes it's driving to work and saying a couple of prayers, always the third step prayer, you know, makes it to the top, okay? Uh, living in 10 and 11 daily. So I, I really didn't understand anything about, I mean, I understood step one, I understood step two, I understood step three, because that's all I ever did, one, two, three. Back. One, two, three, back. One, two, three. And I'm not very good. I don't dance well. So um, so one of the things that I, I, I pray that I continue is this inventory. And the inventory is also, um, it's not a formal inventory. It's, for me, this works. I think about the day. And sometimes it's not that night. Sometimes it's in the moment. You know, I think about, have I harmed somebody? You know, I, there's a whole list. There's even there's even an app to make it easy for you. Uh, you know, and do I owe anyone an amends? And let me offer them the amends right then and there rather than going home and thinking about it because the next day I'm not going to want to make that amends and they're probably going to say, oh, it's nothing, and I'm going to say, yeah, it's nothing, and then I'll eat over it, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, the, the important thing is I don't do this alone. Um... My higher power, who I call God, um, lives in my heart. I mean, it really does. It's not the same. Uh, uh, and I do, I don't even know what I wrote here. I do what I'm asking to, and sometimes you don't volunteer. I don't know what I'm talking about here. Um, all right, well, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I want to share something else that happened, and I know that this would only have happened because I'm abstinent, okay? Um, that, I'm, that I'm free from my um, addictive substances. Uh, so back about 20, 25 years ago, um, I've worked for the same company. I'm, I'm, I'm like a dinosaur. I've worked for the same company for 43 years. I know. People are like, really? No one does that. Years. Well, I do. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Uh, so uh, I've worked for the same company, and there have been great times, and there have been times that were rough. And one of the rough times was in the late 90s, and it was during a time that um, we had a lot of acquisitions. Uh, we acquired, I worked for a bank. We acquired other banks. Um, it was also the time that some very seasoned people were retiring, and we were kind of uh, on a very tight budget. So it was a very rough time for me as a manager. I remember meeting with my manager and uh, another individual from one of the banks that we were acquiring. And this individual... She understood what was going on because of the staffing, because of the volumes, everything like that. She was so kind and so empathetic and so not judgmental that I walked out of that room, and I'm telling you, I felt like, like this low, feeling like there was hope. And for the last 20 years, I've been wanting to thank her for that moment. But like, how do you go and look to somebody and say, you know, like when I was really in my, you know, like I was really like close to suicide, you know, because of work and everything like that. You were, she was retiring. So I thought, you know what, this is the time for me to get all my thoughts together. So it's, and, and I wrote a, a card, which after I read it, I was like, you really went over the board here, you know, but I, I wrote it. And as she was leaving on Friday, that was her last day of work. Um, and she was, she was, she was a very, she was not, I'm a big hugger. It's part of, you know, why I love OA. But I'm a big hugger. I'm, you know, uh, and, and she was not. You know, we hugged. I cried. She didn't cry, but I cried. Uh, and she thanked me. And she said to me, you know, because I had said to her, you made such a difference. And she said, you know, you make a difference every day. And I was like, wow. 
you know, I would have never done that. I would have probably not looked for her, you know, missed that opportunity to let her know what a difference that she had made in my life. Anyway, so that's one thing that's different. The other thing that's different is sponsoring. Uh, So, yeah, so I need to sponsor. Uh, I always feel like, you know, I don't have anything to share, and I keep hearing it's it's really... it's not about you, which is a hard thing to for me to accept, right? Um, but I, you know, whatever I need to do to keep it green, the shirt, right? Uh, you know, and to carry the message, whatever it is that I need to do to carry this message, because this is really important to me. If I'm not here, I'm isolating. I am the best damn isolator you have ever met. You will not see me or hear from me. If you call me, I won't answer. You know, uh, if you see me, I'll pretend like I don't know you. I don't want to go into solitude. What is that? Solitary confinement, that's it. I don't want to go back into solitary confinement. I spent most of my life. You know, I can tell you that the other thing, and I'm very dyslexic when it comes to cliches, so I'm praying I get this this correct. Somebody's One of my sponsors shared this with me, and it was basically, if you focus on losing the weight, you'll lose your recovery. If you focus on your recovery, you might just lose the weight. Um, And today, that's for the first time in my life, that's what it's about. It's focusing on the recovery. You know, it's not... I am not, I am not a, um, like, I used to get on the scale, like, all the time, like, all the time, morning, night, uh, you know, of course, always undressed, so then when I went to the doctor and got weighed, it was like, wow, your scales are horrible, well, you know what, you're not, it's not first thing in the morning, and you're not undressed, and I'm not going to get undressed in the doctor, so, um, you know, that all has changed, so, um, well, I hope I've said something that that um, that meant something to you, and uh, and now I'm going to turn it over to Stephanie. Thank you. Good. I know I can't even see the number, so you can keep me on track. Okay. I'll give you that job. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie, and I am a compulsive overeater, food addict, whatever. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome. Thanks. Um. I came into the room 16 years ago, which is just so hard to believe. And um, I was one of the lucky ones in that I started with, um, I had great physical recovery right off the bat. I worked with a woman, um, I had done uh, the how food plan and the how questions and um, studied the big book and got it right away, which was um, great. it was a really good way to start. So, but of course, um, like every good food addict, uh, I relapsed, um, I don't want to say chronically, because that just sounds harsh, but a lot. There was always a reason to go back to the food. And um, the last four years I spent not coming into the rooms, not really doing anything, and thinking that I would be able to at least maintain my weight loss, um, because for me, the uh, 
it was all about like physical recovery. I didn't really think about the obsession of the mind. And the great thing is in, um, as you get older and, um, I, I'm sure it says it somewhere, uh, I think it does, but I don't know where in the big book. But it'll get worse as time goes on. And I had forgotten that part, um, like I had forgotten many parts. And definitely the four years that I wasn't in the rooms and wasn't doing anything, my addiction was just uh, horrible in terms of the obsession of the mind. And um, I, like Michael, came in. My first day of recovery was October 31st. Mm -hmm. Mine was April 1st. Mine was April 1st. So I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, (laughs) uh, So it's funny. Whenever I I take somebody through and I see October 31st, I was like, wow, I really started on Halloween. That was... Uh, But none of it was planned, um, of course. And I was at an event and... Just to um, give an example of the obsession of the mind, I was at a sporting event, and when I walked past the concession stand, and you know, normally football games don't have donuts, but all I saw lined up at the concession stand were donut boxes, and I was, of course, I saw them and recognized them. And then throughout the entire football game, all I could think about were the donuts. And because I thought that the people that I was with didn't know that I was eating again, I couldn't like just be like, hey, I'm gonna go grab a couple of donuts. So I was like, how can I go get donuts and no one's gonna know I'm gonna get donuts. Um, and it's interesting, the entire game, I mean, I'm not really a football fan. Um, it was homecoming and my daughter was uh, part of homecoming court and won. And even throughout that entire time, all I could think about was the donut. And then I was so emotional that my daughter won homecoming because I was like, oh my God, how could somebody so inferior like myself have a daughter that is mm-hmm. homecoming girl? That was just like bizarre. So, you know, of course it was all about me. And um, <laughs> so the only way I could get relief after, you know, I called my dad crying and was like, oh my God, she won. Um, I was like, I really have to get that donut. Uh, and I didn't care if the people I was with knew that I was getting the donut because I had to have the donut. So um, I was very sad that when I went there to get the donuts, the only thing left were like the plain ones. I was like, really? That's, that's it. But of course, I bought one <laughs> because I had to have one. So I waited till I got back in the stands because I was going to you know, pretend that I had you know, not needed to shove it in my mouth right away to get some relief. So I waited till I got in the stands and I um, quickly ate it and then proceeded to choke, literally where like I vomited the donut um, next to the person that I didn't even want to know that I was eating the donut. So for me, it was a very apropos moment that I had choked on the donut. But what I found really interesting is I remember that night trying to explain um, the obsession of the mind. And I was like, no, you don't understand, like, I had to have the donut. And, um, you know, that's where, you know, Michael kept saying that once you're in these rooms and you've read the book and you've done it, it never loses. It never really gets out of your mind. And I'm like, oh, my God, the obsession of the mind. Like, I had to have the donut. Um, and it was a such a powerful force that I absolutely couldn't control. And I don't... I mean, I'm sure I have felt that way at other times in my life, but it was not um, that strong. And 
to watch my only daughter win homecoming queen and all I could think about was a stupid donut and mm. trust me I've eaten lots of donuts um, I used to think that if I worked at a donut shop, like that would like get rid of the <laughs> obsession of wanting donuts. I've even tried. I've even tried telling other people. I'm like, maybe you should work at a donut shop because uh, I think that that would work. So um, I didn't need another donut. There was no donut, I'm sure, in that box that I hadn't tried. Probably except the plain one, which is probably why I choked <laughs> on it because I needed cream filled <laughs> with chocolate. It was so dry. Um, that's why they're always left. Um, um, so anyway, that led me to call uh, Kim and say, you know, it's been four or five years, and I don't even know, like, does OA still have meetings? Is everything done online, or how's it done? And um, Kim made an appointment to talk to me, which I thought was really weird. I was like, just pick up the phone and leave a message, or text me, or email me, like, whatever. Okay, talk to me Monday at 5.30, great. Um, and I'm like, God, what is she gonna say to me? Um, and I wasn't even done work, but I was like, I'll just fit it in, because I, you know, I have to know what she has to say. So she told me uh, how she sponsors, and the whole time I was like, okay, are there meetings or not? <laughs> I don't really care about what you're doing. Uh, and it was great because she goes, I can tell I've overwhelmed you. And I was like, no, not at all. I was like, oh, God, she could tell. I was like, I need another donut. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't know what made me do it. That was definitely higher power. I was like, okay, I'll think about it and I'll call you back. Um, and it's always great because, of course, I was, like, horrified, like, I have to call her back because if I don't, I'm too embarrassed. So I'll call her back. So I'll sign up and I'll see what happens. Even though I adamantly, during those four years of, of eating more food, um, I kept saying, the big book hasn't changed. I know that much. I didn't know if there were physical meetings anymore, but I know that no one came out with a new edition or that nothing had changed with the big book. So I'm like, I've already read it. Nothing's changed, so I'm not going to learn anything new. Um, I think a period of time I had even had Kim as a sponsor, so it was like, I know everybody who's in the room. I'm sure no one new has come in four or five years, so there's nothing of value that I could possibly get. But okay, I'll try it. Um, and then um, I did, and it was an absolute miracle because I heard things that I had never heard before. The biggest thing that stood out, and it was in the doctor's opinion, was entire abstinence. And I was like, entire abstinence? Oh, and that was the other thing. I had always said, I'll do OA again, but I'm not going to give up anything more than what I've already given up in my life. Here's my list of foods that I'm willing to give up, which was the negotiating. Thank you for the, the yellow lights. Which was in, when I did my red, green, I love how I start with the red, the red, yellow, and green. The red and the green were like five foods on each page. And my yellow was like a page and a half. And, and I had pencil with eraser, and I probably wrote them and like prioritized them. Um, and I was completely clueless that my yellow foods were quickly going to become the red foods. Um, so just a warning if anybody's new when you do that exercise. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but today I'm grateful. I mean, I was a little nervous, um, but I was willing. I was like, all right, I'll try to not have these foods. And for me, it was, I was always big, like, you know, where is sugar on the list um, so to just, now I just, I'm like, if sugar's on the list of ingredients at all, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have it. Um, that's huge. 
for me, my food groups I realize are like fat, sugar, and salt, and any combination thereof. Mm-hmm. I used to rationalize because I love my decaf coffee. Uh, the biggest thing that I had to give up probably was half and half, and then whole milk, two percent milk. Um, so I realized that although I loved coffee, I think I really just loved the milk with a little coffee flavoring. <laughs> um, but today I can drink black coffee, um, and I can put things that are not high fat um, or not animal fat in my coffee. Um, and that is a huge change for me. Um, so that entirely abstinent and then reading on um, A Vision for You, reading the different, uh, or listening to the different podcasts, hearing people talk about that um, really, really changed. So luckily we go over the doctor's opinion like one of the first meetings uh, that we have to go over the steps. Um, And I had to be willing to make things different. And then I'm going to fast forward because my favorite chapter is more about alcoholism because, again, it talks all about the mental obsession. And um, I also like that it, uh, it was pointed out that it's why I need to come to OA. Because even though, you know, I was committed to entire abstinence in the doctor's opinion, three chapters in, I've already started to forget a little bit. So on that first page, uh, I uh, always love the second paragraph, the last thing, the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed because I had already forgotten it. Um, and I have next to there that we're um, 10% of the population. And, um, and that really struck me because I think my whole life I had always wanted to be normal and like other people or what I thought other people were like. Because um, I was always discontented. I never felt comfortable in my own um, body. I never felt comfortable in my own mind. So I thought that everybody else was comfortable and I wanted to be like them. So for me, even um, on a daily basis, there's t- I have like 10% written like in my office so I can focus on it. Um, I've never n- loved tattoos, never know what I want to have tattooed. And... Um, when I went to the Westchester and I really heard the 10%, I was like, that's going to be my next uh, tattoo. So that'll be great. I haven't done it yet. Um, so, but that will be it. So that um, helps. And then the next paragraph I have highlighted four times control because for me it's all about um, what I can control. And if it's not my food that I'm trying to control, it's people, it's circumstances, it's uh, pets. Um, every everything and anything uh, that I can control and when I'm eating or even when I'm not eating um, it's still all about control and that was something I used to think that it was about the food that as long as I was abstinent that that was my sobriety and I'm like no it, it it's just beginning I can't even begin to give up the control if I'm not um, abstinent with my food, but then I have to change my, my behavior. There's still a lot of work that has to be done. Um, and I think before that's where I always stopped. Um, like, okay, well, I've, I've given up my foods. I follow my food plan. Um, I have physical recovery, so life is good. And I didn't, um, focus on, um, the rest of it. And this time that's what's different for me is that I do focus on the mental obsession and giving up the control. (coughs) 
if I want to read, I have to put my glasses on. So at the top of page 31, it taught, I'm so glad I'm out of the Roman numerals. Thank you. I'm glad I picked these chapters, Michael. That was great. Um, in some instances, there has been brief recovery followed always by a still worse relapse. Um, you know, I had read the big book. Why was I ever surprised that I then turned to food? And I remember the very first time, like I said, I had come into OA 16 years ago, and I had good recovery for a good um, two and a half, three years, which, you know, at that point seemed like an eternity. Mm -hmm. um, and I was uh, started to go through a, a divorce, and I remember calling my sponsor. You know, I'd been, like, working through it for a couple of weeks or what I had thought, and I finally just called her and was like, just want to let you know, like, I have to have food again, so, like, you're officially fired. I'm done. I'm going back. And I didn't realize how apropos those words would be that I had to pick up food. Um, and then it took me another, uh, I think I ate for a while, like a couple of months, but it, it seemed like an eternity. And then it, it, I couldn't believe, because I really thought, and I've heard other people say this, that one day I would say, okay, I'm going to not pick up food anymore. And then that would happen instantly. And it doesn't. It took me probably another year and a half to be able to have one day of complete abstinence. So, uh, it's just incredible. Um, but I, the good thing is I was working with somebody in OA and was coming to meetings and really trying the best that I could, even though I was embarrassed that that was the best that I could and was just horrified. Um, but luckily we're not graded on our progress and uh, I don't get degrees on it. So, um, and then I had good recovery again, um, off and on, or what I thought was good recovery, and then my mom died. So this time I didn't uh, call anybody or have to say, like, all right, I'm going to pick up the food. But clearly the only way that I knew to uh, deal with any kind of emotion was to eat again. Um, and for me, uh, this time around working the steps with Kim by appointment, uh, I, I stick to like, okay, like things are going to happen. Uh, luckily I'm not married, so I can't get divorced. My mom's not going to die again, but I do have other relatives. I have friends. Um, there's a, or there's just a good chance that other things are going to happen. Uh, and what I've also learned too, they could be good things and bad things. It doesn't always have to be divorce or death. Um, like for me right now, my daughter's going to go away to college and I'm very much aware that I could, that could be something that makes me return to food. So, um, how do I, you know, stop that from happening? And the good thing is I have 12 steps. Um, this is only about the first step, um, that will help me. And for me, the biggest thing that is different this time around is that I think I always focused on one through nine because 10 11 and 12 were very scary and what i always used to say is like i don't really even know what they are mm. um like everybody has one two and three like memorized we could recite them perfectly but 10 11 and 12 you know by then you're just tired and you can't remember what they are <laughs> um and this time 10 11 and 12 i really live in um in 12 when I used to say like, oh yeah, I'll sponsor, and I would raise my hand and say that I was available for sponsor, but I wouldn't go up to new people. If people approached me, I wouldn't, you know, I was like, yeah, I kind of made small talk, but I didn't, I didn't reach people out. Now I have people that call me um, 
I want to say almost daily, I return every phone call, which can sometimes be exhausting, but I force myself to. Um, a bad day is when I do it like 48 hours instead of 24 hours. Um, so I return all the calls um, that people make um, when people ask me if I'm available to sponsor, even though, I, of course, I'm never available to sponsor because who has time for that? I always say yes. Uh, when Kim called me at like 10 of 9 on Friday and said the person that canceled for Sunday isn't available and I was like oh shit <laughs> she's like hey do you want to do it and I was like no I'm definitely not available on Sunday it's a holiday weekend meetings are never at a good time I never come to the meeting on time if I speak I have to be here on time and I said sure I could do it she's like great absolutely and I love it because she's like that's my girl and I'm like yep and like after I hung up I was like what the hell did I just agree to um, but I knew I was going to do it um, and because at this point in my life if anybody asks I'm willing to do it because I don't want to have to be obsessed with the donuts mm-hmm. and the donuts are always going to show up people bring them to work football games although football games I should be done with those um Donuts do not belong at football games. Um, But they're always going to be there. And I use that as a gauge. So if I'm in the office and donuts, I start to notice the donuts like, oh, it's a Dunkin' Donuts or, oh, it's a White Box. I wonder what pretty bakery they're from. And, you know, or if I I even have the urge like, oh, I want to lift up the box to just look at the donuts. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you need to do some 10, 11, and 12 work because... You shouldn't, I don't normally notice a donut box, which is just a huge relief (laughs) Um, since they spent a lot of time um, in my head. And that is where my life is completely different since October is very different. Um, I've sponsored, I think, more people in, I I finished the steps sometime in January, February. It's so funny that I can remember that it was October 31st. I have no idea when I was, like, let go. Um, But it was sometime, like, when it was colder, uh, January, February. Probably, I feel like I've worked with, like, 25 different people, which is a miracle, um, all in all different places in the world, mostly the United States. But I always love when I get, like, somebody from California because – even yes, I'm working United with States. somebody. Hmm? That is in the States. I know it oh, is. Oh, okay. okay. I know. It's the state. I <laughs> okay. got it. But it's a different time zone. So, like, oh, yes. yesterday I told the person, I was like, all right, we can meet uh, today at 730. So I set my alarm and I got up. And then as I was snoozing, I was like, wait, it's 730 her time, not 730 my time. So, of course, I was very excited because I was like, oh, I can go back to bed. <laughs> And then I remember that I was speaking and I need to be be on time. So, um, And before, I never would have made that effort. Um, I definitely never would have set my alarm for a Saturday morning to talk to a sponsor or talk to a sponsee that was just not, you know. I mean, I don't even set my alarm to go to work every day, but I definitely wasn't going to set my alarm then for a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, so, you know, it's not a great step, but it definitely is something that's different um, for me that I'm willing to do. How am I doing on time? Because I have more that I can read. Um, So that's the biggest thing for me that always stands out um, of how my life is different um, now. Um, And I also, I don't focus on for the rest of my life. I really do focus on just today. 
Um, so I also love telling my family, like, I have a phone call that I have to make or, you know, when my OA work takes me away from the rest of my life, you know, I'm able to just kind of smile at them and be like, it's either that or I can eat and I'm not willing to do that today. Um, and I think I say it really for my benefit than for their benefit because they're certainly not like, oh, gee, we don't get a whole extra half an hour with you. Um, I'm the one that's, you know, uh, again, it's about that control. I'm not in that environment, so I have to remove myself. And that's uh, a great thing, so I like that. So in case that wasn't all enough, some of my other um, favorite sayings and more about alcoholism um, if we, at the top of page 33, if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. That's always a reminder. I never realized till I read that this past time that that's what I really thought. I was like, yeah, I really thought that if I stayed abstinent and did the steps and did, you know, I did my fourth step and knew what, what all my character defects were and I made all my amends and I made all my apologies and I changed my behavior, that that's where the mental obsession that one day I would be like, you know, I can have a Frito because it's corn and it's corn and oil and salt and those are whole foods and they're real foods and I can handle it. And the fact that my brain will start to convince me that I can eat a Frito um, is mind blowing, but that I actually forget um, or want to be able to eat normally. And I will not ever be able to eat normally. And that's why that 10% is so important. Um, and I like to have it around for me to see because um, I don't want to uh, disillusion myself or anyone else. So uh, again, in that uh, paragraph, it says, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And I will remind myself of that. Um, once a food addict, always a food addict. Um, and I think in the past, because it was about physical recovery, it was, you know, once I was fat, I was always going to be fat. Um, versus, you know, it's not about being in a normal body size uh, because it doesn't, life isn't any better uh, based on your size. It's just different. And um, that doesn't make me more, uh, any more capable of dealing with life, uh, regardless of what my physical being looks like, which is very tough in today's world, I think. Um, I have highlighted if we, um, are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Um, I would like to point out that if is a commission, um, so it's a warning. So again, it's reinforcing once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, it's reinforcing the 10% and that I will not like grow the ability to be a normal eater and that is really important. And for some reason, and more about alcoholism, uh, they really make that point um, versus the earlier chapters. Because you know you've already forgotten it, because I think, what is this, chapter three? Mm -hmm. That's probably chapter two. Oh, no, chapter three. That's not too bad. Not counting the Roman numerals. <laughs> I think maybe they're going to come out with an edition. Next time it'll be the fifth edition, and the Roman numerals will have non-Roman numerals. Just my thought. I, I like that idea. Right. So... Um, I like uh, on page 35, 
uh, the first paragraph. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Um, so for me, that would be allergy of the body. And then at the end, it's what is he thinking? It's the insane thinking. Um, and that first sentence in that paragraph, they also have thinking. So it's not, it's, it is the twofold. And it took me a long time. I remember going to a big book study and they talked about allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. And I could never even get that saying right. It took me a long time. I'd always be like allergy of the mind, obsession of the body. I'm like, there's something about the body and an obsession and the mind and I'm not really sure how it's all connected. Um, and I don't know, how long ago did Harlan come here? 2013. 13, 9, 6, yeah. Wow. That was a long time ago. So that was six years ago. So um, if nothing else, in six years I finally figured out that it's allergy of the body and obsession of the mind and how different those are. Um, for me and for everybody who gets to consider themselves uh, a food addict. That's the other thing too, when I work with people, I always used to assume that when I worked with them that everybody was a food addict or that everybody was like me and that everybody had to have the same food plan. And um, there really is a period of time when I work with people that you know, people need to figure out for themselves whether or not they identify with the 10%. Mm -hmm. um, and not everybody does. And um, you know, even though I've worked with at least 25 people, I haven't worked with anybody from the beginning to the end. People always drop off, they come back. People are different stages of the program. Um, and before that would have really like just messed with my mind. Uh, people needed to be successful the way I deemed them to be successful. They needed to start and stop. Um, they needed to be done when I said they were done and now I let all that go because it doesn't it doesn't matter and for me I'll work with them one day um, five days five weeks it doesn't it doesn't matter because um, it's about me and my recovery so that's my step 12 and that is what keeps me sober um, and not just abstinent um, because food you know, I don't notice the donut boxes, and that is a genuine miracle, and I am so grateful for that. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say in this chapter, so I'm gonna just go ahead and hopefully, like Michael said, everybody will have lots of questions. <laughs> Thank you.